once again on this Sunday morning, and I, I really have. I've been trying to feel after the Spirit. I'm anxious to get back into the book of Mark. I don't know if you're as anxious uh, as I am, but I am. I'm, I'm excited about getting back to that book and continuing our journey through the gospel of Mark. But as I have prayed over the last several weeks, it just seems like God is reaching for somebody. And I've said it every Sunday, and I still feel it, Brother Goff. I just feel like there is somebody that God's reaching for that um, may be listening online. I don't know, but I just feel in my heart and in my spirit that I, I've got to do some reaching today. So church, would you... Would you do what you've been so faithful to do in helping me to deliver the burden of my heart today? And that's not to say that you're not going to get anything out of it. I do think that what I'm going to talk about today is beneficial to all of us. and something that all of us need to be reminded of. Amen. But um, I, I hope and pray that I can deliver this the way I feel it on my heart today. I want you to turn with me to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 9, and we will begin with verse 6, Numbers chapter 9, and we'll begin with verse number 6, and we're going to read through verse 10 today, Numbers 9, verse number 6. It's an unusual portion of scripture. It seems like the last few weeks I've, I've used common portions of scripture as a text. But today, this is an unusual passage of scripture. But bear with me as I try to deliver my heart. Numbers 9, verse 6, And there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and before Aaron on that day. And those men said unto him, We are defiled by the dead body of a man. Wherefore are we kept back that we may not offer an offering of the Lord in his appointed season among the children of Israel? And Moses said unto them, Stand still, and I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If any man of you or of your posterity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body or be in a journey afar off, yet he shall keep the Passover unto the Lord. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself in my explanation, but... As I said, it's, it's a bit of an unusual passage. And we have to understand that the Bible, talking about these men being defiled by the dead body of a man, um, it, it, really all it means is that uh, they may have been standing by someone when they died and the dead body touched them and and God in the law marked them as unclean. Uh, it could have been that it was a family member, a relative, and they had prepared the body for burial, which was their custom. But, but 
anything dead was considered under the law as unclean. And when it came to the keeping of the feasts, you were not to be unclean and keep the feast. And so here are a couple of men defiled by a dead body, whatever it was that had caused them to have to touch this dead body. Uh, And they find themselves at Passover, which is the most important celebration of all. And they said, you know, if we're unclean, we can't keep the Passover. But why? We want to join in this celebration. Hallelujah. So, I'm I'm going to try this morning to preach to you for a little while when God makes an exception. When God makes an exception. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's ask God to talk to us today. And would you pray specifically for whoever it is that God's reaching for today that he would touch their hearts and bring them to an altar of repentance today. Let's pray together, church. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated. Now, in order to really grasp the significance of this passage. I, I, I want to, I, I tried to encapsulate a little bit of it uh, there before we prayed, but I want to take a few minutes today and, and, and go a little more in depth to help you to understand God's feelings toward death specifically and just how unclean God considered death to be. Amen. One example that I think probably shows it best is in the example of a Nazarite vow. Let's go to Numbers chapter 6 and uh, Brother Goff, read for me verses 1 and 2 and then we're going to skip down to verse 6. It's a bit of a lengthy reading but I just want you to, I want you to understand the magnitude of this. Numbers chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord. All right, and so then let's, let's and, and the vow of a Nazarite was a vow uh, of absolute consecration. Now, most of us are familiar with Samson. Uh, when we think of Nazarites, that is generally the person 
uh, of whom we think. But, but this was, uh, in, in Samson's case, it was to be a vow for his entire life. But that was not always the case with the vow of the Nazarite. A person could choose, just like we go on a, a three-day fast, a person could choose that for the next six months or the next five years, I'm going to dedicate myself to God in a special way. And I'm going to offer to God this vow that I will become a Nazarite. And there were certain criteria, certain things they could not do as Nazarites. And uh, certain things that they were not allowed even to, to drink and to partake of. Uh, as a Nazarite. We generally, again, just think of Samson and the cutting of the hair. But there was so much more involved than just the cutting of the hair with the Nazarite vow. It was a very special thing. It, it was a very significant thing. Uh, for one thing, when they did this for a man to let his hair grow, it, it really was a shame among the other Israelites for him to look that way. But he was bearing public shame in order to separate himself from everybody else and separate himself unto God. Amen. And so it was a, if I can say it this way, it was a big deal, Brother Goff. It was a big deal. To make this vow of separation uh, a Nazarite vow unto God. All right, let's skip on down now, verses 6 to 12. All the days that he separateth himself unto the Lord, he shall come at no dead body. He cannot come at any... Now listen, if he's going to make this, this is one of the terms of the vow. You cannot come near any dead body. Read. He shall not make himself unclean for his father, for his father or for his, his mother, mother, for his brother, his brother or for his, sister, for his sister when they die. When they die. Because the consecration of his God is upon his head. So you understand if they make this vow and daddy passes away, they can't do anything. We are under this vow. And we have to separate ourselves. All right, read on. All the days of his separation, he is holy unto the Lord. Yes. And if any man die very suddenly by him. If somebody dies suddenly by him. And he hath defiled his head of consecration. Yes. Then he shall shave his head in the day of his cleansing. On the seventh day shall he shave it. Yes. And on the eighth day he shall bring two turtles or two young pigeons to the priest, to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And make an atonement for him. For he has sinned by the dead and shall hollow his head that same day. Yes. And he shall consecrate. Now, 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 I want you to pay attention to verse 12. Read. And he shall consecrate unto the Lord the days of his separation. Right. And shall bring a lamb of the first year for a trespass offering. Uh-huh. But the days but that the were days before shall be lost. The days that were before shall be lost. Because his separation was defiled. Now. I want you to imagine that a man makes a five-year vow of a Nazarite to God. And then four and a half years into his vow, he's talking to a friend. And the friend has a sudden heart attack and falls over against him dead. The Bible said those four and a half years don't count. They don't count. And he made a vow to God. And God takes vows seriously. And so God said, you're going to start again. 
You're going to go through the process of purification and you're going to start that five-year period all over again. Because you touched something that was unclean. Specifically, a dead body. That's how unclean God considers the dead to be. Now, I could really get sidetracked right now. I could really get sidetracked right now and talk about people who like to have dead church. Well, I'm going to tell you something. We need to be careful around those folks that like dead church. Because God doesn't like it dead. God considers death unclean. Now I know right now, you know, we're still skipping pews and, and, and we're not really sitting close to one another for the most part. But I'm going to tell you something. This is the way I think, and I'm trying not to get, I got a long ways to go. But I'm just going to tell you this. If I'm going to sit in service and the Holy Ghost is moving and Brother Jerome is going to sit here and twiddle his thumbs and not worship God, I'm getting away from the dead man. If you don't want to worship God, I don't want to get close to what's dead. God likes things to be alive. We are lively stones. Hallelujah. That's what he's made us to be. God doesn't like dead, church. Well, I could preach a whole message just on that. Amen. The angel asked him, said, why seek you the living among the dead? This is not where he's at. He was only among the dead while he was dead. But I'm going to tell you, as soon as he came back to life, he got out of there. They didn't find his body anywhere. He shucked those grave clothes and got out of that tomb. He didn't want to be around the dead. And Brother Chad, when he came in contact with a dead body, as they're passing by with the funeral procession, he reached in there and touched him and said, no, no, I don't want any of this death around me. Let's bring him back to life. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, God didn't save you so you could sit on a pew. Amen, like a bump on a dill pickle. God wants you to be alive. He wants your worship to be alive. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's not my message, but it felt good. Hallelujah. We'll have to save that for another day. Or some of you young preachers wait about six months and I'll forget I said it and then you get up and preach it and I'll think, man, what a message. <laughs> now, I, 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 God considers death to be so unclean that he just erases. I mean, this could go on. We, we could go on. What if it's a 10-year Nazarite vow or a 20-year Nazarite vow? And, and, and the same thing happens. Somebody touches the dead. Now, there were other, as I said, there were other stipulations. God didn't say under those other stipulations, you have to erase all that past. But when it comes to the dead, God said it. Hallelujah. And so... And so under normal circumstances, when a person was considered unclean, they were not even allowed to make an offering unto God if they were unclean. 
Leviticus chapter 7, verses 19 to 21. I'm trying to, I'm trying to hurry. I know it doesn't seem like it, but I really am. Read for me. Leviticus chapter 7 and verse 19. The only reason it's taking me so long is because my reader won't read. <laughs> and the flesh that toucheth any unclean thing shall not be eaten. Yeah. And it shall be burnt with fire, and as for the flesh... All that be clean shall be eat thereof. Uh-huh. But the soul that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings that pertain unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Uh-huh. Moreover, the soul that shall touch any unclean thing as the uncleanness cleanness of man or any unclean beast or an abominable unclean thing, uh-huh. and eat of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which pertain unto the Lord, even that soul shall be cut off so from again, his people. I, I, just, I wanted this read so you could understand the mindset of God. God says that if you are unclean, you cannot partake of any sacrifice that's been made. You can't partake of any offering that's been made. And you know that at Passover, that's the big thing about Passover, is the slaying of the Paschal lamb. And and then you got to eat the lamb. And so God's law says, uh, if you're unclean, you can't eat that lamb. And this was not just any uncleanness. Read my text again. Numbers chapter 6 verses, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 9 verses 6 and 7. And there were certain men who were defiled by the dead they body of a man. They were defiled by the dead body of a man. That they could not keep the Passover and so they on couldn't that day. keep the Passover. And they were came before Moses and before Aaron on that so day. So they came to Moses and Aaron. And those men said unto him, said, We are defiled, defiled by the dead body of a man. By the dead body of a man. Therefore we are kept back. But I want to know something. Passover is so vital to us. Passover speaks of the fact that God set us free and liberated us from the bondage of Egypt. And Passover is our big celebration every year. And, 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 and you know, I've, I've talked to you about Passover. What a celebration that really was for the Jews. And, and, and so this was such a high holy day. And yet they said, based on the law, we are defiled with the worst kind of defilement. And so we can't keep the Passover. Why? Why? And so Moses, being a good pastor, told him what every good pastor says. I'll pray about it. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's right. Sometimes people think, well, you're just putting me off when you say that. No. What that means is I care enough that I don't want to just give you any answer. I want to make sure the answer I give you is what God wants me to give you. And this was, as I said, a big deal. And it was going to set a precedent in Israel. And Moses needed a direct word from God. And so he said, let me pray about it. That's verse number 8. Read. And Moses said unto them, stand still, stand still. and I will hear what the Lord will I'm command concerning you. I'm going to go find you. out what God's got to say. Now I'm telling you, I imagine all of Israel knowing this holy and righteous God and knowing how he felt about death. All of Israel was expecting Moses to come back with an absolute sentence. Sorry boys, uh, you go hide in your corner until Passover is finished. You cannot partake of this. You cannot participate in this. You're not qualified. You don't deserve it. I know you didn't mean to be defiled, but you are defiled. And so you can't have anything to do with the Passover. But Moses prayed 
And that's not the answer he got. Verses 9 and 10. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If any man of you Amen. or your posterity you, shall be unclean. If it's your children, your children's children, by their every, children. By reason if you of a are dead unclean body. by reason of a dead body, the worst kind of uncleanness. Right. Read. Or be in a journey. Or even if you're off, in a journey off somewhere. Yet he shall he said, pass over unto I the Lord. I still want you to keep the Passover. In effect, God said, I know they are extremely unclean and I know this is a very holy day, but I want everybody to participate in this day, whether they're clean or they're unclean. Now, I want to ask you today, why would God make such an exception? Amen. Why would God say on this case in this wise I'm going to overlook the fact that you're not just unclean but you're unclean by virtue of a dead body God said I'm still going to overlook it and I'm going to grant you a special exception to the rule I want you to keep the Passover clean or unclean I still want you to partake of this feast why would God do that? Amen. I'm going to tell you, I believe in my personal opinion. Amen. When it came to Passover, there was a special significance that overruled any personal uncleanness. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's, let's take a look at something. Go back to Exodus chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. Let's look at how the Passover was kept. Exodus chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. And ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. Yes. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Yes. And they shall take of the blood and, and strike the blood. it upon on the strike two, it on side, the two post, side posts. And on the upper, on the po upper door post, door of, the post of the house. Wherein, wherein you're going to eat it. Skip to verse 12. Read. Verses 12 to 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Yes. Both man and beast, and yes. against all the gods of Egypt, yes. I will execute judgment. Yes, and verse I am 13. The Lord, and the blood and shall the be blood to you for a token upon the houses where you are. Upon the houses where you are. And, where I and see when the blood, I see the blood, I will pass I will over you. Pass over and you the plague and the plague shall you. not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. I'm going to tell you, when God through Egypt on that night he didn't look at the people in the house he didn't look at their condition he didn't consider whether they were clean or unclean he was looking for one thing the application of the blood and as long as the blood was there that was all that mattered as long as the blood was there it didn't matter who they were what they were what they'd been involved in the blood covered it all Hallelujah. I believe that in keeping the Passover, the reason personal uncleanness did not matter was because the application of the blood provided a covering for every man and every sin, for every condition, for every situation. The blood was sufficient for it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I see this pattern throughout Scripture. I, I, Hebrews chapter 11, 
Verse 31. This is why some of you probably saw me talking to Brother Nelson when all the action songs were going on. And I told him, I said, if I get too involved in the action songs, I'm not going to have strength to preach. And Brother Nelson laughed at me until we got through. And then he came to me and he said, next time we're doing aerobics in church, would you please give me a warning? (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. I'll catch my breath in a minute. This is why I have a reader. Some of you didn't know that was the whole purpose behind it. Gives me a chance to catch my breath. Hallelujah. All right, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 31. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Rahab, the what? The harlot. The what? Harlot. Do you understand what the law had to say about harlots? Well, just in case you don't, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10. And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall be surely be put to death. Uh, I'm just telling you, God said it's a death sentence. God said it's a death sentence. But we get over to Jericho. And the whole city's condemned to die. And everybody in Jericho is coming down. Not a person is going to walk out of there alive, except... The one person who under the law was supposed to die. Hallelujah. The one person that the law said didn't have a right to live is the only person who walks out of Jericho alive. Oh, hallelujah. Why was it? Well, I know some say, well, you know, she she spared the spies. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, there was a whole lot more, amen, involved than just sparing the spies. Amen. Let's skip down Joshua chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Read. Behold, when we come into the land. When we come into the land. Thou shalt bind this line. Which thou didst let us I just remember, we still got some of these. Thou shalt bind, amen. Thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt thou bring, shalt thy, bring thy, father thy father and thy mother and thy, thy brother and all the thy father's, father's household, household home unto, unto thee. And it, and it shall, shall be that whatsoever, when, when, whosoever, whosoever shall go, shall out, of go out of the doors of thy of house into the street, this blood yes. shall be upon his yes. head. And we will be guiltless. And yeah. whosoever if he's out in the street, it's his blood. Shall be with but thee in the there house. Is an exception that's been provided. Whoever is with thee in the house. His blood Amen. shall be on oh, him. Hallelujah. And be Amen. upon I'm him. I'm telling you, there was a line hanging out that window. It wasn't the blood of Rahab. Amen. There was a symbol there, a scarlet thread. And God said, when I see the blood, I know, I know she's a harlot. I know she deserves to die. I know there shouldn't be any life for her, but I'm going to give her life. I'm going to give her life because of the blood. I feel like preaching today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. 
Let me give you another one. Let me give you another one. I'm skipping over a few scriptures here. Brother Goff, hey man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to watch the time. I want us to have time to come around and pray this morning. Hey man, let me give you another one. Praise God. We've already shown you in the scripture, adultery, hey man, was worthy of death. But David did more than commit adultery. David also had the husband, hey man, of that woman put to death. I'm telling you, in God's eyes, David was a murderer. Hey man, what does Numbers 35 and verse 31 say about a murderer? Moreover, moreover, you shall take no satisfaction for the life of a murderer, which is guilty of death, uh-huh. but he shall be surely he put, shall to be put to death. I'm telling you, David was guilty of two counts of capital crimes. He deserved nothing less than capital punishment. But I'm going to tell you, when the prophet of God came in and confronted him, he meant David, he meant made a confession. Second Samuel 12, 13, read. And David said unto Nathan, David I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. You're not going to die. How is that, David? You deserve death on two counts. You've just confessed to both crimes. How do you get by with this kind of mercy? Well, I think the answer may very well be hidden in the prayer of repentance that David actually prayed. All we see is him saying, I sinned against the Lord. But later, he took the time to pen his actual prayer of repentance. And here's just one line of what he said. Psalm 51 and verse 7. Purge me Purge with his and I shall be clean. Wash me, Wash me and I shall, and I shall be, be whiter than, than snow. snow. Some of you may not realize this. Uh, amen. But do you know what hyssop is all about? Uh, Exodus 12 and 22. Listen to this. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop. This and is at Passover it. time. Yes. At Passover time. Amen. Exodus 12, 22. Take a bunch of hyssop. And dip it and in the blood. Dip it in that the blood the that's in the basin. And strike the lintel and, and the two side posts with the blood that's in the basin. Oh, listen. I'm going to tell you in David's prayer, he appealed to the blood. I know I deserve death. I know I'm not worthy to live. But I appeal to the blood. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm preaching today. Amen. I've got such a burden on my heart. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or where you've been. There is something that can cover every sin, every transgression, every problem. Oh, hallelujah. You see, some people have this mistaken identity, this mistaken idea that uh, God somehow changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That under the Old Testament, God brought judgment on sin. But now in the New Testament, it's all just grace, 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 grace. God doesn't care how you live. God doesn't care what you do. And that's not at all what the New Testament teaches 2 Corinthians 6, 17, read. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, separate. saith the Lord. Yeah. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Don't touch that which is unclean. And then I'll receive you. This is a conditional promise. See, this is one of the problems with people who say, just accept the Lord as your personal Savior. 
just receive the Lord into your heart. No, it's not about us receiving him. It's about whether or not he'll receive us. And he said, if you want me to receive you, I don't want you messing with things that are unclean. Well, but God has made an exception. First John chapter one verse seven. But if we walk in the light, as he in is light, in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship, we have fellowship one, with, one another. with another. And the blood and of Jesus the Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, his son us cleanseth us from all, sin. from all sin. Oh, my friend, I'm telling you today, it doesn't matter what your history is. It doesn't matter, Amen, who you are or who you are not. God doesn't care. He's looking for one thing today. He's looking for the application of the blood. And then if you'll come to him as long as the blood is applied to your life, nothing else matters. God doesn't see anything that's under that roof. He only sees the blood. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us this. Purge out Purge therefore, out therefore the, old leaven, the old leaven that ye may be a new lump. Yes. As ye are unleavened, are unleavened. for even Christ because our Passover Christ is sacrificed for us. Passover is sacrificed for us. That's the significance of Passover. He is that Paschal Lamb. He is that sacrifice. It is the application of his blood that will remove every stain. I'm going to tell you, when we come to him, it doesn't matter what we've done, where we've been, how dirty we've become. It's all covered by the blood. In fact, I want to tell you, there was something about this blood, this blood of this precious lamb that went so much further than the blood of the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 13 and 14 says this. For if the blood of bulls and of goats yes. and the ashes of an heifer, heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh, yeah. how much more shall the blood of Christ, yes. who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. Now listen, I, I don't know. I don't know if you caught all that. But verse 13, it talked about the blood amen, of the bulls and the goats, uh, the, the sprinkling uh, of the ashes of the heifer, amen, how it sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. See, that was the focus of Judaism. Everything they did was about cleansing the flesh. It was it, when they went for their mikvah, their, their religious uh, uh, washing, the the, 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 uh, the root of our New Testament baptism. It was all about cleansing the exterior. It was all about taking care of the flesh. That's all the blood of bulls and goats did. But I want to tell you how deep the blood of Jesus goes. It not only cleanses us, amen, from the filth of the flesh, but it goes down into the depths of your conscience and it purges your conscience. I'm preaching to somebody today. You need to let go of those things God has forgiven you of. You need to let go of the things God has covered with his blood. He will purge your conscience from dead works so you can serve the living God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. The blood of bulls and goats removed removed the filth of the flesh but the blood of Christ removed one commentator said removed what troubles a man when he 
recollects that he's violated a holy law and offended God. I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses our conscience. Amen. I'm here to tell you, when the devil comes and starts reminding us of what we've done in the past, I'm here to say, we can tell him, devil, I want you to take a good look at the blood. That's what God's looking at. I know I've done things wrong, but I want you to see there's something covering all that. And God's not looking at the things I left on an altar. He's looking at the blood. He's looking at the blood. He's looking at the blood. And I refuse to live my life under the guilt, amen, of a conscience that God has pure, uh, purged. Hallelujah. God purges our conscience. We'll say more about that in just a minute. I'm, I'm trying to wind this thing down. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. The blood cleans your uncleanness regardless of what it is. Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you, God is not a God of exceptions most of the time. God rarely makes exceptions. God cares so much about minute details that it just doesn't happen very often that God's willing to make an exception. But he did make one. He did make one. Hallelujah. He looked down at fallen man. He looked at the fact that our father Adam handed us a sinful nature. He looked at the fact that we are prone to go into wrong. We are prone to follow after that which is unclean. That's the desires of the carnal man. And God said, I want communion with this man. I want fellowship. Amen. With this individual. But I can't do it the way they are. And yet they can't change themselves. They can't do anything about it. Here's what I'm going to do. I am going to make an exception. Well, that kind of gave new light. I've preached this verse and preached this verse and preached this verse. But I'm telling you, as I was working on this yesterday, it kind of gave new light. Amen. To John chapter 3 and verse 5. Listen to what Jesus said. And Jesus answered, Jesus verily, answered, verily, verily, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Of the spirit. He cannot, he cannot enter, enter into the, the kingdom, kingdom of God. God. Here's what Jesus was saying. I've made an exception for I know you can't get there on your own, but I've made an exception. I've made an exception. If you'll be born of water and born of the Spirit, I'll cover all of that. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Except, except a man be born of water and spirit there is no other exception offered amen other than through the application of the blood amen and I'm here to tell you the way that all of that's applied let's go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 read for me amen then Peter said, said unto, unto them, them repent, repent and, be and be baptized every one of you in the name of, of you Jesus in Christ the name of Jesus for Christ, the remission, for of, the sins. remission of sins and you shall and you receive, shall the, gift receive the, the gift of the Holy Ghost do you know what that is? That's our exception clause. That's our exception clause. That says it doesn't matter what kind of sinner you are. It doesn't matter how filthy you've been. There's an exception clause. God will accept me. God will take me 
Hallelujah. Musicians, come. Come, come, come. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go ahead and read this last verse. First Peter. We, you know, we talked about in Hebrews. He said that that, that blood... Amen. Will purge your conscience. You know, Peter talked about that in his epistle as well. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. Here's what he said. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, mm -hmm. not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, right. but the answer, the answer of a good conscience of a toward good God conscience by toward the resurrection God. of Jesus the answer Christ. Of a good conscience. The answer of a good conscience. When I go down in Jesus' name, I've got access to the only thing that can not only take away the filth of the flesh and spirit but it'll cleanse my conscience I don't have to answer for those things I don't have to live under that cloud of guilt my conscience has been clean let's stand let's stand what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that washes white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. Does anybody believe what I'm saying here today? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And GTA would said this. The water, spirit, and the blood. Agree if we but understood in making sinners pure and good and take their sins away. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. Oh, come on. We ought to give God thanks for the power of his blood. It is our exception. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I'm saying to you today, if you're under the sound of my voice, if you're listening at home, or you're here in this auditorium, I want to say to you today, amen, that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to God who you are, what you are, where you've been, what you've done. There's one thing that matters. He's looking for the blood. He's looking for the blood. Once you've been baptized in Jesus' name, child of God, you've got access to that blood. And the same blood that washed it away in the waters of baptism, the same blood that gave you a clear conscience in the water of baptism can give you a clear conscience again and again and again and again. Hallelujah. It doesn't stop. There is no stopping this crimson flow. There is no shut-off valve. Amen. For the precious blood of the Lamb. I'm telling you, if you're here today, amen, under some cloud of guilt, why don't you find an altar and leave it there God one more time cleanse me one more time let your blood cover me one more time let your blood take care of my situation oh God come on saints come on saints hallelujah oh God I pray
plead the blood today. I plead the blood today. I plead the blood today.